The effects of the current economic crisis have touched everyone. Trillions of dollars have evaporated from those accounts that have become the prime source of retirement funds for a majority of American workers. There is a shocking new statistic about what causes most personal bankruptcies in this nation. Medical bills are the reason nearly two-thirds of the time. Rates of inflation are historic. We've hit a decades high increase. There is no quick fix. The quick fix can be more people taking personal responsibility in financial education and understanding how do I properly manage my finances. Main Street investors could once again bear the brunt of another fiscal crisis. Number one is to always make money. Number two, never lose money. Rule number three, don't forget rules one and two. 2023 was a tough year for many. And many analysts predict that 2024 and the years ahead could be even worse. With people dealing with losses, their health, taxation, and inflation, combined with their own procrastination, many Americans face insurmountable challenges. Yet, despite this grim outlook, we're still in the midst of a time where making money and protecting your money are easier than ever. In my new book, Gotcha, I hope to help many Americans protect themselves from the five gotchas of money. What's crackalackin' everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zapala here. Hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, back in the studio here for episode 62. Here's my co-host, Milton Alvarez. What's crackalackin', buddy? Happy Tuesday, baby. Back from the Orlando Bookstop Tour. Shout out to... John Mason, Dean Mason, Fernanda Sanchez, uh, Stacy, uh, Manny, and Emily, Chris Stacy, uh, Ma uh, Manny, and Emily, you guys packed the house. Over 300 people were in the office on Saturday in Altamont Springs. Extremely proud of you guys. It was rocking out there, and um, we had a lot of people there busting their eyes open, knowing now what the five gotchas of money were. Next stop is going to be in Memphis here um, in two weeks. Then we'll be in um, San Antonio on the 8th, back in Memphis, and then Atlanta at the end of the month. So uh, very exciting times here for the Gotcha Book Tour. It became, a book, it became an Amazon best-selling book, and uh, we're helping a lot of people here with that. Basically 15 years of gathering content and case studies to help people avoid the five gotchas of money. When you first, start, when you first started working in the, in the financial industry, man, did you have a vision of, I know I'm going to have two books, on Amazon, obviously Amazon back then wasn't something huge, but did you think that you would be in a position that you are today with your book tours? Zero, zero, no, no clue, no idea. Uh, you know, I, I just was around a lot of coaches. I ran, I read a lot of books, and I said, you know what? You know, maybe uh, I think maybe five, ten years into it, I was supposed to write a book in 08 or 09, but I just felt that it was the wrong timing. Like I was still writing from a position of theory. Mm. So I, there was a check in the spirit. I was like, you know what? I'm in a Christian book publisher. Wanted to publish my book. And I said, you know, there's a check in the spirit. It's not time to do it because a lot of things I'm thinking about in terms of the gotcha's money yeah. are still in theory. But, you know, fast forward, you know, full 21 years of, of an actual client, which happens to be my favorite client, not losing money, have enough money for health care when health challenges came up, uh, avoiding uh, taxation, avoiding legally uh, in inflation, getting ahead of inflation. And uh, why? Because she took action. Uh, that's my mother. So she's now uh, living it up. And uh, by the way, I, I, I want to show you guys a, uh, if we can go to um, one second here, if we can go, uh, my, my parents are in a retirement community now, and just to see what my father's been doing, just enjoying life in this best chapter of his life. Um, can we can we go to my screen here real quick? Thanks for bringing this up, Milton. But this this is my this is my father now, just just having a. Uh, this, this, okay, you don't see this video? There, there it is. is. Okay, there it is. 
There's a video. There's my father just living it up. Wait, but you don't, you don't hear the audio though, right? Uh, forget it. I need to send you the video. Next time we need to do this, I can't play video from my desktop. It's playing. Yeah, but he can't, he, he can't hear audio. Uh, I, need to, I need to send this to Jordan in order to feel audio. Anyway, my father's at this retirement community. Well, if you just want to see the, uh, the, the ambiance there. You know, my, my father's there at this, at this retirement community. I'll just cut the, the music. But my father's just ha having a great time. Look at him. Just singing away. There's an entertainer there. Frank, Frank Sinatra. I had it my way. Just having a blast. There's somebody just entertaining them and you know, enjoying with their friends. They're new friends, right? All food's taken care of. Cleaning's taken care of. Medical attention right there. This is living the best chapters of your life. The best that you can provide your family access, um, you know, socialization, you know, and, and me not having to worry. What's going on with my family? That's, that's the most important part of, of the book is having my, my, my family members, people I love and care about, you know, enjoy this chapter of their life. A lot of people uh, along the journey of trying to quote unquote make it or mm -hmm. at least get into a position of uh, maybe a little bit more above comfort, but get to a place of abundance, right? Uh, and get out of survival. Along the way, so many adversities happen that people quit. They stop going, they stop growing and going forward. Yeah. And even though they had this big vision to take care of their families, take care of you know certain things in their communities, they just completely stop. What, what's one thing that kept you locked in to say, I'm gonna keep going until I see my parents in that exact position? You just gotta be, you just gotta be very clear. You just gotta be very clear if that's something that you really honestly want. You know, we, uh, we, for example, last night I asked the guy, he came out, he keeps coming on board here at PHP, he's came on board with our team. You know, he's coming from his, what do you do for work? I go, security. So what, what, what are you considering entrepreneurship for? What do you want to do? He goes, takes pause, and he goes, I want to create generational wealth. Right? Okay, so what does generational wealth mean to you? Hmm. He goes, I want to take care of my kids, my kids, kids, kids. He goes, okay, that sounds great. So currently right now, what's your formula? He says, well, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm going to make the, I'm gonna make the uh, maximize this opportunity. But not really clear about what the formula is all about. Yeah. So I think why people fall short and why people procrastinate is they don't get that clarity. This is which is step one in Patrick's book, Your Next Five Moves. If you're not clear about what you want, why are people getting up on Monday? Why are most people are getting up on Monday morning, going to a job that they despise? They got bills to pay. Right. Yeah. And if they don't show up, they don't make money. They don't make money. And if they don't make money, they can't pay their bills. They can't, they can't pay their bills. So yeah. that's why they show up to work. Yeah. Because they're clear yeah. of what that 80 hours of, of two weeks was going to pay them in the next two weeks. Yeah. People just aren't clear what entrepreneurship or a vision for a family will actually do. Yeah. Because if, if people would actually see what they're capable of, bro, a lot more dreams uh, would come up. And he, he, the sad reality about our show today, uh, in terms of cracking open the sad reality, is that so many people are jaded with their finances right now. They don't have hope. They don't have a clear path to get to where they want to go. They don't know what price to pay. They don't know what the formula is. And, and uh, for those of you who are watching this right now in episode 62, uh, we got a lot of interesting tar uh, articles to talk to you about. Um, a couple places in America that want you to move there, and they'll pay for you to move there. Um, this lady here is on a rant about the standard of living so low in America. We'll react on that. Um, Pastor says, give everything you got. Sow that seed, that Pastor said. And my opinion, this is a professional beggar for God. We're going to be t discussing tithing and giving. Uh, what's appropriate for you to tithe and give? It's one thing to make money. It's one thing to earn a rate to return your money. It's another thing to give money and help those that are in, in a time of need and also keeping back. And then you got a couple articles you want to discuss too as well. First article for me is uh, men's health. Why don't men express their emotions? And for the men watching or anyone watching right now that 
knows of someone who's unfortunately taken their life or you are on the verge of, you know, how they say it nowadays, offing yourself because you don't have hope for your future. Um, we're here to help. First of all, we're here to help. We're here to reach out as much as you need. Reach out when you feel helpless and hopeless. But we're going to go over a couple things today that could help you stay stay the course and obtain that hope that you need to continue moving forward and wake up the next day. And the final one for me is uh, debunking the fat phobia trend that we a lot of people have that if you don't agree with someone's lifestyle, automatically try to cancel you and try to say that you are fat phobic. So I, I'm here to debunk that really? today. Yeah. But instead of calling people out, the people don't like that anymore. People don't like, people don't like that. Okay. People don't like that whatsoever, man. Yeah. Okay, well, awesome. So why don't we start off this first video here. The standard of living solo. This young lady is complaining that the cost of living is so low in America that we have nothing left. Let's take a look at this. You know, I've got a question, and oh, it's more rhetorical, but it's for any of my followers who live in the United States. Uh, why is our standard of living so fucking low? I mean, like, we're in the fucking trenches at this point, and I really don't think you guys are registering the magnitude. We are the pick-me's of the fucking world. Like, we, we have, like, such a low expectation of what living a good life is. I don't think you guys understand how radicalized you would be against America if you knew how the rest huh? of the fucking world was living. I'm going to rattle off an ass ton of examples until you guys get this shit through your fucking skull, right? In Germany, they have something called burnout leave, where you get six weeks paid off of work if you're mentally burnt out. And if you still can't collect your mental health, the government funds a retreat for you. And when you exit the retreat, they pay you unemployment. And they have resources allocated to citizens to help them change their life path if they want to switch careers or get a new education. In France, employers are legally obligated to give you, I don't know, 30 to 90 days notice before they terminate your employment, at which point once they do, you qualify for up to two years, two years worth of unemployment where they pay equivalent to American unemployment. But here's the fucking kicker. Their cost of living is 30% less than ours and healthcare is fucking free. The equivalent of a hundred American dollars can feed six grown men for an entire week in Russia. And guess what? Genetically modified food is fucking illegal there. So not only is it less expensive, it's more nutritious. If healthcare and nutrition weren't reason enough to make you reconsider, let's talk infrastructure and economy. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia has announced a billion dollar project in an attempt to diversify their economy where they are building a fully autonomous vertical city that spans the reach of 100 miles and will be completed by 2030. My local highway's construction won't even be completed by then. Oh, you're okay with shitty health care and nutrition? You don't give a fuck about infrastructure or economy? All right, cool. Let's talk about family or even tax breaks for that matter. Did you know that in some Asian countries, they offer tax breaks for people who walk to work or live in close proximity to their elderly? They do this to promote health and fitness, to reduce pollution, and to ensure that people are taking care of their elderly family members so the fucking government doesn't have to. You don't give a fuck about your nana? Fuck her. I didn't like her chicken noodle soup anyways. But since we're on the topic of family, let's talk children. In majority of other civilized and developed countries, they give the mothers 18 months paid 
maternity leave with free health care. Once again, are you starting to pick up on a fucking theme here? And then once the mother is done, the father turns around and in some countries they offer him six months paid paternity leave. So the child does not have to leave the home for the first two years of its fucking life. And then when the mother does return to work, daycare is either free or located in the building she works in. So if she's nursing, she does not have to stop giving her child the nutrition it needs to grow strong and healthy where it's going to be a burden on their health care system. She can tend to that child on her fucking breaks. All right. I've, I've, I've had enough. I've had enough. You've had enough? I've, I've had enough. All right. The complaining, annoying, uh, woe is me, life is tough type of disposition, it's so attractive. Man, you can recruit a massive pity party online. So many people love to hear that rant. So many people love to say, you know, I just want to depend more on my government. But even though even that she says less dependency on government, yeah. she actually wants more dependency on government. She wants more provisions and entitlements and more programs for the government to take care of its citizens. So the opposite way of this podcast, the opposite way of our thinking is, listen, we want less involvement of the government because let's, let's, take, let's take a look at our, our, our income real quick. So if you can look at my screen, uh, Jordan, uh, the number one GDP per capita in the world is a country called Luxembourg, okay? Uh, GDP per capita, the most basically, uh, the most income per, the most income per capita. So the people that make the most amount of money per capita is a country called Luxembourg. Second is Ireland. Third is Norway. Fourth is Switzerland. Then Singapore. Then Qatar. And then us. We're number seven. So we're not too bad. Yeah. We're top 10 in the entire uh, uh, world, okay, if we're going to actually put some data behind us. Now, here's the crazy part. What do you think goes on in Luxembourg? Something called taxes. A lot of taxes, a lot of taxes, a lot of taxes. So if you want to go to Luxembourg uh, in terms of uh, um, uh, income taxes, the highest income tax here, tax on personal income, if you want to become a millionaire, which is the basis and the genesis of this podcast, if you like to make, make a million dollars a year, you're going to get whacked 42% of your income in taxes. 42%. 42% compared to uh, here in America, it's 37%. So the fi uh, 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 5% more in income taxes. But then again, the, the more you, you earn here in America, in Texas, and in Florida, and Tennessee, a lot of income tax-free states we have in America, there's no income taxes on your on your personal income, so you're, you're gonna sure you're gonna make a you're gonna make a, um, a an opportunity to go out there and make some money, but you're also going to pay some income taxes also in those countries. And I think it is, is um, the, the further along I get with my career and with what I'm trying to do in my personal business, and the more studying I actually do, because I realized when I'm walking into the entrepreneurial world and just being a glorified employee mm -hmm. was not actually an entrepreneur; you're just a glorified employee and not really having the education behind what it was to run a business and be an entrepreneur, how to scale, um, that left me in complete ignorance of like, damn, this is really freaking hard. Yeah. But now the more you start learning about your economy as a country and start looking at, you know, the, for example, for the, for the US, like I was 
telling you earlier, uh, mm-hmm. we, we live in a capitalist market economy. That's right. Where if you come live in the United States, that's why a lot of people come to the United States to start their businesses, because people who start their businesses, they have fewer regulations, uh, the higher encouragement of entrepreneurship, the economy, economy, economic flexibility, and big, the biggest thing is there's lower taxes for people who are trying to run a business here. Versus you do that in Germany, they have a social market economy where that's people right. who make more money, you pay more taxes. You get screwed. Yep. So even if you're trying to succeed out there, it's I feel like it's an uphill battle for a lot of people in those countries. It's true. By the way, uh, this is, if you could go back to my screen real quick. This is a picture of our guys. We took our guys out to Paris, France, out there. Had, uh, we rented out a yacht, having, having a blast out there in, in, in Paris, in Monaco. So we're just having a blast, man. And guess what? We go out there, and um, we, we go on one of those uh, uh, speedboats. And uh, speedboat there in, in, in France, and we go on the speedboat. And one of the guys, sadly, uh, TJ, TJ, if you're watching this, man, TJ cuts his leg, cuts his leg on the propeller. Shit. Okay? Uh, I don't know if the screen is going to show this uh, uh, right, right yet. Uh, let's go screen. I, I guess there's a little bit of a lag here. But uh, anyway, TJ here, if, if you see my screen, there, there, here's a cut. He's got a nasty cut. So we, 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 call, we call the cops. I'm sorry, we call the ambulance. ambulance. Okay? We call the ambulance. So he's pissed. He's telling, you guys are going to pay for my medical bills. You're going to take care of this. I'm paying for nothing. And I told him, bro, chill, relax. We're in Paris. We're in France. Why? What does that mean? Your medical's free. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't no bill out here. So that's true. Yeah. So that's true. Okay? And it uh, looked like people are looking out. But here, here's how I think. Here's the problem with America. Let's take a look at this uh, look, uh, uh, data here. You know what the problem with America is? It's not necessarily the money we make, because it's one thing to have an income. It's not a thing to keep your income. Yeah. So here's a problem with America, right? Yeah. We just spend too much damn money. We spend too much damn money. Let, let me let me let me just show you. Let me break it down even further. Per capita, per capita. Okay. Per capita. Guess which country has the most disposable income per capita. It's not Luxembourg, which has the highest income in the world per capita. It's the United States of America that has the highest disposable income per capita. So in other words, after our bills, after even our cost of living, we have the most disposable income to do what we want to do, yeah. even though you think it's tight. Yeah. So this is against the, her narrative. This is a little bit of facts, less than emotion, except, you know, pull up some data, because anytime emotion is high, you want to increase data and facts, so therefore you're making a little bit more logical decision. But since 2000, if you look at this, all the way to the left, the spending of people per the salary has shot up. And what happened here during 07, 08, remember 07, 08, that was the Great Recession, 07, 08, 09, right there in the middle hump in, in, in the left side there. Yeah. That was during the Great Recession, 07, 08, 09. Obviously, it started going down 09, 2010. This is when real estate markets are high, interest rates were low. Yeah. Hint, hint. A little bit of a pattern we feel today. And since 2010 to 2020 right now, it's one of the greatest economic expansions in the history of America. And as we've made more money as a country, guess what we've also done? We've spent more money. money. We've spent more money. So it's a spending issue. It's a a spending issue. It's a 100% spending issue. America, you are being told by the media, they're going to call you one or two things in the media. And I've done a lot of radio and TV, and this is what they say. Matthew, what are consumers doing today? And it's so annoying every time they want me to refer on behalf of us as 
consumers. So the media calls you already a consumer. And what what is a uh, what is a what is a consumer? We wrote down a definition of consumer. Consumer is in the propensity to consume and keep consuming. It is the drive to buy and own more stuff and to define one's identity through what they own. Economists view consumerism as a positive for consumer spending and growth. Again, economists view consumerism is a positive consumer spending and GDP growth. Because if we don't spend, these retailers don't make money. The business don't make a lot of money because we keep spending. The downside to that is if we keep spending, then we're not saving and or investing. So it's knowing how to spend, knowing when to spend, and when not to take random target trips in the middle of the night. And, and when people do buy stuff, guess who likes to buy stuff? Let's take a look at my screen again. Value of the leading personal luxury goods market worldwide. This is... This is who buys more stuff. Luxury goods, Gucci, Louis, Versace, Hermes, <laughs> right? Guess which country spends the most on luxury goods? All the way to the left, what you see there, what you see there. It's not Luxembourg. It's not Germany, it's not France. The Germany, it's not France. It is the United States of America. We spend the most amount of money on luxury goods to try to impress people. And I don't even need to say this. What demographic, what age demographic do you think spends most money on luxury goods? 20s. Exactly. 20s. Gen Z, yeah. a, a, a Gen Z and uh, millennials. Those are the main ones complaining. And the, the main ones complaining. The main ones complaining right here. Yeah. And by the way, she looked pretty well put together, right? So I wonder what she spends on makeup. I wonder what she spends on hair. Not that she shouldn't. Yeah. But Milton, when I was coming up, I, had, I didn't have the luxury sometimes of having a barber. Guess who my yeah. barber was? Myself. I learned how to cut my own damn hair in the barracks. It was, a, it was a luxury for me to go out and have a barber cut my damn hair. And so, so people are out there saying, I deserve this type of life, I deserve this type of life. I don't know, man. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a nasty outlook on growing wealth. And, and let's take a look at this one here. American debt, American household debt. Here's a problem with, with America. It's not income, it's not disposable, it's debt. American household debt hit a record 16.9 trillion at the end of 2022. Americans owe $986 billion in credit cards. The average American household carried $126,000 in debt in 2022. The percentage, of Amer the, the percentage of Americans in debt is around 80%. 80% of America is in debt. So it's not the standard of living. It's debt, the three biggest things that we buy in our lives, our house, our education, and our cars. Are they bought with cash? Are they, are they financed? Financed, most They're, of the time. That's right. Yeah. In Proverbs, it says, the borrower is servant to the lender. So the more you're borrowing, the more you're paying somebody else juice, the more you're owing to somebody else. Yeah. And you can't look at yourself straight. You can't look at your, 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 um, your, your business straight until you get way out of that. Now, you're watching this podcast, and you got two entrepreneurs here that's co-hosting this thing, and we've never had to raise capital. Have you ever done a capital raise? I've never no. had to raise capital. No. Uh, did you fill out an SBA loan, small business loan? Not yet, no, at all. Have not had to fill out a small business loan. So don't let it make you think that in order for you to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to raise capital and, and to, and to get, go into debt. We didn't even use the PPP loan. Remember the PPP loan? That was very tempting at the time. Yeah. At we the time. Correct. We didn't yeah. even use it. That, 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 um, that credit, that tax credit, ERC credit, because we didn't lay off anybody. We didn't even file for the ERC credit. So all these, some of these government benefits that uh, through the uh, through the stimulus, Sheena and I didn't even take advantage of because why? Even though we could have taken the money, it was our stewardship responsibility to say, you know what? 
Other people are in more of a need. We don't need the money. No need for us to get greedy. Let other people that more need get in line. We, not, we don't need to hold up our paperwork in line to hold people up from getting their money. And our business is blessed. We've grown. We've paid out over $88 million in commissions to people that work together with us in the insurance industry since 2015. You don't need a lot of money to start a business. You don't need a lot of money to make a million bucks. You don't need a lot of money to start making six figures. So the reason why people aren't ahead today is not because of the standard of living, brother. It's because we just spend too much damn money. Absolutely no, no discipline. And here's the thing. I, I, a lot of people don't want to take ownership of their finances and their, their, they'd their lives. They'd rather complain. It's rather easier complain, to complain. And then they'd rather say, hey, the government owes me something. When in reality, it was you, you're the one who put yourself in a situation. You're the one who paid off credit card debt last year, and you put yourself back in that credit card debt. Taking on these unnecessary trips, buying the unnecessary luxury vehicles, buying the unnecessary, unnecessary luxury uh, clothing lines. Yeah. Completely. And then when you don't have it and your back's against the wall and you're in survival mode, immediately you're looking for handouts. Yeah. It's a lack of responsibility, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, 72% of Gen Zs have a car loan. 52% of millennials have a car loan. That just tells you something. Well, Matt, we need a place to get, we need to get around. Do, do you need a brand new $45,000, $50,000 car? Yeah. Or, or listen, you're a Mexicano. You know how to make things work. You know how to extend life of, of anything that you buy. Yeah. Right, let me ask you this question. You, you, you see cars. Would you trust a car that's, that's well-maintained, that's taken care of by a former owner, that may be pre-certified by a dealership, but it's got 100,000 miles on it? Would you, tr would you trust that car? I'm just curious. Sing single owner. Let's say a couple owners, two or three owners. But it's certified. Everything's maintained. Everything's good to go. Pass, it's past inspection. Knowing my Mexican ass? Yes. Yeah. 100%. That's all I grew up in. You, 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 you want to know a GF, former Jiffy Lube hood technician confession? That's mm -hmm. me. <laughs> Before I started my business, I was yeah. a Jiffy Lube hood tech. I pop a, a Toyota, a, a, a Honda would come in. I pop open the hood, lay out the thing for my, my, my inspection, and I, whoa, clean engine. Yeah. Right? Must be the first oil change. I look inside, brother, 100,000 miles. 100,000 miles. Yeah. A Suburban comes in, Escalade comes in, Tahoe comes in, GMC car comes in. Just leaky power steering fluid, just leaky around, you know, this, you know, the fluid you can see sure. just leaking around it. It's like nasty. I look at how many old changes, how many, how many miles does this bad boy have? First old change. It's just the things are, the way things are made. Yeah. And so when I'm looking at cars today, when I'm looking at vehicles today, because this narrative is not good for what? This narrative is not good. What I just mentioned in the last 30 seconds, it's yeah. not good for car dealerships. Of course. Because they don't get to turn, turn cars. And it's not good for the banks either because they don't get to lend money. Yeah. But when I was overseas, when I was in Japan, uh, I had a car that was 10 years old, 15 years old, had 150,000 miles that, that, that I'd own it for six months and then some other Marine would buy it and for six months and some other Marine would buy it, but it's all well-maintained. Yeah. We put flames on it. It's like a little, little, <laughs> little shit kicker, right? Okay. And, is it, but that was yeah. a 10, 15-year-old car we yeah. just pass around. Yeah. And the fact that we got to flaunt our money, that's the problem with America is trying to impress people that don't have any involvement in your life that don't have any involvement in paying your bills and trying to flaunt them just to show status. And I think that sometimes that's, that's wrong in America. What if a lot of people utilize the excuse of being a business owner and they feel like they have to be dressed a certain type of way, they have to drive a certain car in order for them to come off as, you know, like they know what they're doing in their industry? I think there's a way to do it. I mean, we're going to be talking about a, a deposition here with a pastor yeah. um, here in a minute. Um, I mean, do you have to wear Louis? Do you have to wear Gucci? Do you have to, I mean, I got a lot of way with Joffrey Bean. I got away with Calvin Klein. Yeah. I got a lot of way with Michael Kors. Yeah. I got a lot, you know. 
So now, now I like clothes that fit well. For example, I'm wearing these jeans right now from a company called, uh, well, I'm not, they got to give a sponsorship money for me to even drop their name. But these are new jeans I bought. Um, there's a little bit of spandex in them, so it's a little bit more flexible. It does, I don't feel it's as, as tight. Is that from uh, Frisco? Why you look at my butt? Is that from, is that from Frisco, where, where you usually go? It is not. Okay. I, I, found, I found them online. Okay. I found them online. Okay. So it's, it's flexible jeans. Nice. It's jeans, but it's not as thick from, from the mall. Yeah. And I bought three pairs for, bro, look how, look how bargain shopping I am. One pair at the, at the mall is 150, 200 bucks. Yeah. At, uh, at Nordstrom or, or what's that, uh, uh, Saks, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, right? Yeah. I just went online. I found a, a decent jean maker. Yeah. I'm wearing them right now. Three pairs, 150 bucks. So even me, I'm frugal with, with making a million dollars a year. A couple million dollars a year. I'm, I'm still frugal. Making me, uh, making me go to a random Dick Sporting Goods uh, parking lot to buy a Gucci bag <laughs> out of my, a random man's trunk. And then we, we were working out the other day. You noticed the clothing brand I was wearing. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. you told me that you, buy, you bought that out of Target. Out of Target. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, now I, I get it. If you got to be in a suit and tie, I mean, do you need to really impress people with Gucci and... and uh, and, and by the way, the, guess, guess who the largest purchaser, with, guess which ethnic demographic in America is one of the largest purchasers of Gucci, Louis, uh, Versace, you name it, the black and brown communities. Yeah. Largest purchaser. Yeah. Right? Again, trying to flaunt, trying to flex. And so that, that is a, that's an area of, of, of concern in our, in our community. If we're complaining about the money that we're not making, it's not necessarily that. It's the money that we're spending, and it's a harder issue to deal with because it's ourselves. It's easy to point out. It's easy to blame. But we're the ones unnecessarily spending more money than we need to to try to impress the people that don't really care about us. So uh, uh, speaking of which, let's go to this article here. Um, it says, if you don't like where you live, well, why don't you move? This lady here, uh, uh, why don't you move? Let's see here. Uh, oh, uh, let's yeah, here we go. So this place here, if you wanna if you wanna move, some places here in America say come over and move to us. So here's a city and state that says we'll pay some money to come over here. Okay, a little bit of laggy here on on the on the screen. Uh, okay, here we go. There we go. Come on, come on, screen. Catch up, catch up, screen. There you go. So Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma will pay you 15000 Let me make sure I'm accurate in this number. They'll pay, pay $10,000 to eligible applicants to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma, they'll pay you ten grand to move over there. And the cool part about this, the money goes a long way. Look, look at the apartment you can get there. You can get a, a, a what is this, a one-bedroom or a modern apartment for 64000 bucks. Decent, decent cost of living out there. One bedroom apartment, sixty-four thousand dollars. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's go to another city. Um, who else will pay you to move there? Vermont. Vermont. They'll pay you to move there. Um, uh, let's see, the average weight living thirteen thirty-nine. Living wage is thirteen thirty-nine an hour. In return, you'll be paid up to seven thousand five hundred, depending on where in a state you choose to live. They'll pay you to move to Vermont. One insurance companies we do business with, National Life Group, domiciled out in Vermont. Uh, two hundred forty-nine, two hundred fifty thousand dollar home in a historic uh, area, but you got to move to Vermont, right? Uh, New Haven, Connecticut. They'll grant as much as ten thousand dollars to help new residents get on the property ladder and boost its dwindling population. In order to obtain the funds, you'll need to be a first-time home buyer. If you meet the three percent property government, federal government got a federal property guidance, then you receive an extra fifteen thousand dollars towards down payment assistance. There it is. 
plus those working for the city of New Haven, including teachers, firefighters, and police officers, will get an additional two thousand five hundred bucks. Why do you th- why do you think uh, the states are willing to pay new residents just to move to their to their state as a whole, regardless of where you move in the so city? It's either going to attract businesses, right? You're going to mm-hmm. attract business. You're going to attract a Costco. You're going to tra- attract an Office Depot. You're going to attract a you know a Toyota. You try to try. For example, this is what Texas did. They brought Toyota here from from L.A. Yeah. Because what happens? You bring a business over here, then you bring its employees over here. Yeah. Right. And then you bring potential homeowners and shoppers and taxpayers, et cetera. This is another way for a, a, a city and a state, if they can attract businesses, then they can attract citizens mm. by itself. But it's a little harder because one by one by one by one by one. And who really in the government in those states are really get, getting on the phone campaigning for people to move? Yeah. So I'm probably the best campaign for them right now in this podcast. We're probably the best campaign yeah. for them, just letting people know. If you want to move to New Haven, Connecticut, average home out there is $299, but uh, you got to move to Connecticut. Um, St. Clair County, okay, uh, they have a co- Come Home Award. The program is paying out $15,000 to each student who decides to make Ooh. the move. So they're, student. Re- so they're recruiting students, right? Looks like a beautiful spot. Yeah. Okay? Applications are open every, uh, every year. So January to March, it's open right now. So keep your eyes peeled. Let's see the sort of house a student can step up in the region. Uh, here, decent offer for a student. Look at that. Yeah. Okay? $150,000 home, build some equity. Place that you call yours, hey. And the last but not least, Alaska. That's nice. When it moves to Alaska, they have something called the permanent dividend fund. This is uh, what we call universal basic income, where everybody moves to Alaska, stay there for a year, everybody gets a check from the state of Alaska. So if you're there for a year and you tend to remain an Alaskan resident, you receive a yearly annual sum. The annual sum comes from state-owned fund, which is fed by Alaska's oil revenues. So the money varies depending on the stock market. In 2023, for example, it paid out around 1,300 bucks to every adult residing in a state, but you got to move to Alaska. You wouldn't live there. You hate the cold. Exactly, I wouldn't live there. It's like 59 degrees, this man's pissed off. Pro- probably the only yeah. place I've moved to in this entire list for me personally, yeah. is Tulsa, Oklahoma. Why? It's right in the middle of everything. You know, the weather is decent, and the cost of living is low, and my type of business I can run from anywhere. It looks like in Tulsa, based on what they're saying in the data, they're trying to recruit people who are more tech savvy to yeah. come to, to, Tulsa, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. To expand. Yeah. Do you think uh, Oklahoma in the next ten years will be the, that the next state next neck to neck to neck with a Illinois neck to neck? Well, with look a, how yeah, look how much even Oklahoma City's grown. Yeah. You know, there's a okay, professional see. basketball team. So a, anytime I think about a city and state to move to, I always defer to these large companies that do their, demo, their they do the demographic search, they do the geogra- geographic search. You know, for example, if I tell my guys, you know, you know, you want to move to this city and state to start your insurance business, and I and I Google Edward Jones. Right, mm. and I see a bunch of Edward Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, I, I told my guys in, in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Edward Jones. Right. How many Edward Jones are in Jackson, Mississippi, place where uh, where um, prime time was was building? So, if we can look at my screen here real quick, look how many different Edward Jones, look how many different financial institutions are in Jackson, Mississippi, of independent financial advisors. Can we look at my screen? of different financial advisors there in Jackson, Mississippi. You ever think that many financial advisors are in Jackson, Jackson Mississippi. Mississippi? So I tell my guys, listen, if there's, if there's that many Edward Jones offices in Jackson, Mississippi, that tells me there's money there. Edward Jones is a financial company? Edward Jones company? is a financial services company. That's right, they're financial advisors. Yeah. They serve the multicultural middle class too as well. I think, they're, I think they've, I think their minimum portfolio is like 25, 50,000 bucks. I might be wrong on that, but they deal yeah. with uh, much, uh, a lower uh, uh, income demographic than maybe a typical Merrill Lynch or independent financial advisor. 
But what they do is they actually find a retail location, they hire staff, and they hire the person to go in there to build the business. So they take care of your office, they take care of your staff, you just got to go in there and you build the business. Because one of the marketing campaigns is to build a business. Door-to-door hmm. -door sales. <laughs> and, that's, and that's Big Bear. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah so. so those are the two things you look for. Uh, people who, uh, any industry that's heavy in, in, in the financial industry. Yep, Jordan. And it, there's whenever there's a business that does a lot of door to door, uh, what, what do they call that? Outbound. Yeah. Out well, well, I don't look for that. I'm just saying that Edward Jones part of the business plan. Yeah. Is to go door to door sales. Got it. Okay. Yeah, but uh, if, if the reason why I bring them up is because if this company, which is the largest one man broker office in the country in the financial services industry, mm -hmm. if they're willing to put that many financial advisors in one city, yeah, a city and state that you, it's not very obvious. It's not Chicago. It's not New York. It's not L.A. But in that search there we saw what almost 10 yeah. financial advisors in little jackson mississippi there's opportunity there for somebody in insurance to go and say hey let me set up shop and build an agency from there shit yeah that, so I, I piggyback off research done by other companies so for example when i was buying out here in chicago in, in uh in coming dallas. from chicago and dallas yeah, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the conversations about the realtors is find a place where costco is building a costco because they'd already done research why would you buy why would, why would you build a costco why would you build a walmart why would you build these big box stores if you knew the population down the road is going to support it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you'd be a knucklehead to build it if you, did it, you didn't do any research. So that means you're in on the politicians, you're in on the bills that are being passed, you're in on the expansion of that population, you're in on the infrastructure of that population to create the population growth for people who want to move there, people move there, people buy there, people shop there, set up shop. So you start the construction years in advance. Coming, uh, coming into the idea of Texas, if someone was was to move to Texas and they're like Milton or Matt. I'm torn between Austin, Houston, and Dallas as far as the long-term game. Based on the trends and the patterns that you see right now going here, going on here in Dallas, Texas, would you say that Dallas is a place to be versus the Houston, the Austin, and the Dallas uh, cities? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at my screen again, Jordan. The biggest industries in Dallas, Texas today, information, IT. Yeah. One of DFW's leading industries is IT. Here's why. Uh, there's a lot of IT growth here in Dallas. A uh, very tech uh, company. I just I was on the phone yesterday with some guy who uh, who's got an app to serve NIL athletes and college and, and college uh, students yeah. watching the game. He's got 500,000 people on his phone. Tech-enabled company right here in Frisco, right? So there's a lot of techie folks right here. Matter of fact, there's a row here uh, in Plano. I call it tech row. There's Samsung's there, TI's there. So there's a lot of tech out there. So if you want to be in tech, Dallas is a place to be. Second, financial services. That's you guys. It's us. Yeah. It's our industry. As a matter of fact, the biggest city in America in demand for life insurance agents, Dallas, Texas. Shit. I, why? Families are moving here. Yeah. Businesses are moving here. 401k rollovers need to be done. Uh, home purchases are being done. People need mortgage protection insurance. For example, myself, I brought my parents here. Medicare insurance, long-term care insurance, final expense insurance, need for so families, uh, education planning. So... Financial service, life insurance agents are high in demand right now in Texas. Um, number three, healthcare. Because of older folks, because the families are moving here, we need more people in the healthcare business. Healthcare is a big industry here in the DFW, and last but not least, defense. defense. Right? So that, that goes without saying. So these, these are the four major industries that is right here in the Dallas, Texas area. Any thoughts on that? You brought the question. Someone in my industry, 
or someone who's some, uh, some former consultant can see how they can be t easily tapping into all four of those industries. Yeah, serve them. Yeah. yeah. Corporate wellness is one of the biggest ones for me. Corporate wellness for me is a $55 uh, billion dollar industry. So immediately for someone who's in my world in consulting or service or product-based business, automatically that would spark a big you know, light bulb moment like, holy Huge. shit, this is a place for me to be, a place and, for me to move and network. And think about this, bro. What, what are, most, are most techies walking around or most techies in the cubicle? Yeah. So in their cubicle, right? Yeah. So you can create a, a healthcare programs for, for people to be more mobile and agile. And, like, for example, this afternoon, we're, we're stretching. We're yeah. doing a workout. Getting, we're stretching. Getting ready for your, uh, your trip. That's right. Yeah. Because insurance guys are always, most, for most guys, we're in meetings, we're on Zooms, we're in conference rooms, right? Yeah. Sitting on their butt. So we need flexibility. We need movement. We need better diet. And so. And, and, and that's what I was saying to one of my guys yesterday. Like, there's absolutely, there was, a, um, there was a post on social media that says there's over 92,000 millionaires in the DFW area. That many? Yes. Damn. So there's no way in hell that you move here and you're a service or product-based <laughs> business that you can't Woo! make some form of cash. I love it. Absolutely no I didn't no realize reason. that there was many millionaires in Dallas. Yeah. That's awesome. I believe it. I mean, look yeah. at the neighbors you're driving and the cars that people are driving around. Yeah. It's, uh, there, there is money uh, in Dallas. You, you better believe it. And because people are coming to Dallas and moving to Dallas that are already millionaires from different cities and states, they're keeping more of their money. And a lot of these, and I, I would assume that a lot of these people who are doing financially great, they are able to t get some decent tax breaks, especially when they partake in church activity. Because don't a lot of these, a lot of people get tax breaks from being able to donate into nonprofits, mm. uh, those those type yeah. of organizations as well as churches. But I know some pastors take advantage of those yeah. of, of those of those situations, and they're the ones actually pocketing this money. You actually have a video on that or a topic on that. Yeah, in a, in a second. But before we get off, you know, the the uh, topic of DFW opportunities. You, you got a video here I want to see because you've talked about fatties or, or, or baddies or whatever the case would be. Because I want to, because that's, that's very prevalent today in, in, in American business. Yeah. Because people today, instead of walking around at the job and burning off calories, they're just sitting down in a cubicle or in, in an office situation and, and they're not very mobile. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing that, that's, been, that's been an issue for over 20, 25 years. The only thing is now the, the more we progress, with our politics and the more we progress in our economy and the more we progress with our belief system. And we have a lot of these people, these woke people walking around. Um, and again, you treat me with respect, I treat you with respect. There's absolutely no, there's, there's, there's nothing that you do or that you say that can, I guess you can say, get on my nerves. I'm not a radical left, radical right. Um, I have my conservative beliefs, but I also have liberal beliefs as well. Sure. I can find balance in both parties. So I'm not, too far to either side, but when you're putting your health on the line and you're glorifying the idea, which I understand when it comes down to loving yourself, respecting yourself and caring for yourself, but I think one of the biggest forms of care for yourself is taking care of your physical health, your mental health, and your emotional health. And you sit there and you neglect that because you're too distracted, you don't care, you don't have your priorities straight, you're going through some form of crisis, and then you utilize that to glorify what you have going on just so that way you're not, you're, so that way you're not held accountable Ooh. and you get offended when someone tries to call you out on, hey, look, I care for you, I love you, and I, you know, you're know, you out of shape, you're, you're mentally weak, you have this going on, this going on, this going on, and the outcome of your life is influenced by these key factors. And if you continue going down this path, this is the outcome that you're going to have. But a lot of people have created this trend that uh, uh, this trend that if someone calls you out on, on the way you look, the way how much weight you uh, you have on your body that's excess, automatically you're fat phobic and you, you there's hate speech behind that. And there's I know there's a lot of states that are starting that are trying, especially California, yep. they are trying to push policies that if you call someone out on that or someone feels offended by something you're saying along those lines, automatically there's a fine from that itself. Unbelievable. So there's a video, uh, Joy, we can pull up when it, uh, on fat phobia debunking the fatties. Just because I'm fat, that doesn't invalidate the things that I say. She died. 
Did she? You ready to get supersized? She died too. Yep. Today I got the big fruit loop. He's dead. Join me on my fat positive radio show, which didn't last long because she died. Wow. Bro, every single person, and, and, wow. and I'm going to catch a lot of fire for this, and I'm completely okay with it. You're going to follow me, unsubscribe for my whatever I have going on, and not believe in, in, in bro, what I'm preaching. Rip, bro, just rip, bro. People man, are going to do what they're going to do. Just rip. The people who are overweight, it comes from a personal choice and a lack of discipline. They're going to say, but no, Milton, you don't understand. It's my mental health, my hormones. Correct. If you have access to healthcare, if you have access to these opportunities that our country offers you, Go get checked out. Go get your blood work done. Go get your hormones checked out and come up with a formula, a plan that's going to help you be in a better state. There's so much science that proves that the moment that you lose weight and that you're able to move three times a week for at least 30 minutes a day, you eat foods that don't cause inflammation, you reduce the amount of sugar you eat, you reduce the amount of fast food you eat and the fatty foods that you consume, you automatically feel better. Because when you consume less sugar and less fried foods, less fast foods and also less alcohol, automatically you reduce inflammation in your body, which also reduces inflammation in your brain. And when you reduce inflammation in the brain, you get more oxygenated blood to your brain, which automatically helps you think better, process better, and feel better automatically. A lot of times, your hormones play a massive role in the way you feel. A lot of times, your brain health plays a massive role in the way you perceive yourself, the way you feel about yourself. A lot of emotional issues that we encounter come from our own personal background, not wanting to, not wanting to heal from our past traumas, not having the discipline to sit and respectfully sit in our shit and say, what the fuck is wrong with me? We'd rather run to food. We'd rather run to substances. We'd rather fuck it away, eat it away, and do everything else but to sit with your shit. So this is genuinely a you problem. And instead of blaming your government, blaming your parents, b blaming your exes, blaming society, blaming our, our economy, blaming uh, the Western diet, blaming your doctors, blaming social media because people are calling you out on your bullshit online, you need to have a strong look in the mirror and say, this is your fucking fault. And you need to understand one of the biggest things Everything, every single thing that happens to you, the reason where you're at, where you're at today is your fault. Everything that happens to you is literally your fault. Everything. Anything on the external that you have no control over, that's something more of an omnipresence. But the way you think, the way you act, the way you react, the food you put in your mouth, the, the place you, you, you go to, the people you hang out with, the people you date, the people you break up with, the people you lay with, the people you fuck, the, what you drink, all of that shit is your responsibility. And if you decide to blame the external world for the lack of, of discipline that you have inside because you're not willing to sit with your shit, you can't blame anybody else. And you can't sit here and call me out of my bullshit and say, you know what the hell you're talking about? You don't understand. You've never been in that position. I grew up fat. I had man titties at six years old, man. I used to get bullied all the fucking time when I was in middle school, when I was in elementary school, and also when I was in high school. But when I was in high school, I got my heart broken. My high school sweetheart ended up marrying my best friend, and that's the bullshit. And unfortunately, yes, I utilized an emotional moment to drive me forward, and I used that emotion in my favor so I can change the way I looked, the way I the way I perceive life, and also change my fi financial outcome. So every single thing that you have in life is genuinely a, de a decision, a way to making your life better. And it's a straightforward process. A lot of people say, no, man, you don't understand. There's up ups and downs. 100%, you are 100% correct. But the weight that you have in your body is in your hands. And if you are literally one day away from making that decision so you can better yourself, or you're also one day, one week, or one year away from almost ending your life because you're not taking care of your health. Your family depends on it. Your kids depend, depend on it. Your future self depends on it. I can guarantee you right now, it's a, it's a challenge for all you guys to watch, I can almost damn near guarantee you, if you take three days, you jump on a water fast, and I've been telling you this about this too, Matt, do a three-day water fast, add some chicken broth to each every day, do anywhere between eight to 12 ounces of chicken broth, full day of water, 
64 ounces and above of water for the entire day. And I guarantee you by the third day, you're going to feel amazing. I challenge you for the next 90 days, three days a week for 30 minutes a day, go for a, a long walk, 30 minutes around your block at the gym, anywhere you want. Do it with a person so that way you don't feel by yourself. If you have an animal, walk your animal. Avoid sugar, avoid alcohol, avoid fast food or anything that's packaged. Try to eat a Mediterranean diet for the next X amount of time that I mentioned. Try to at least get anywhere between six to eight hours of sleep every single night and start your morning off with gratitude and go to bed with gratitude. Don't spend two, three hours on TikTok, swiping on TikTok, comparing yourself to other people on Instagram, on Facebook or whatever app you <laughs> utilize. For the men that are watching this, get the fuck off Pornhub. Get off X videos and all these other websites that are just bringing you uh, dopamine releases at midnight and then you feel like shit the moment you finish because you can't last, you can't get a girlfriend, you have fucking acne on your back and you can't even sustain an erection with the woman that you're trying to lay with because of the bullshit routines that you guys have on a consistent basis. These challenges are fucking hard. They're challenging you as people. They're challenging you to grow. But the moment that you gain the strength to have this, this, this discipline in your life, I promise you, this physiological discipline that you have to attract to you, to you and implement into your life, you will be able to implement it into your marriages. You'll be able to implement it into your day-to-day routine when it comes to your job, to your career, and, and any single outcome that you're trying to have. Discipline is the biggest thing, but most of all, it's taking execution and taking action towards that specific goal that you're trying to reach. Rant over. Fuck. Woo! That felt good. Love it. That By the way, I, I said not just fatties, too. As well, bro. I'd say skinnies. I was a skinny. Now a lot of guys are, are skinny too as well. I, I have what you call skinny fat. There's people out there that's out of shape, but they're skinny because the way they're uh, the different body types. Yeah. It was a mesomorph. Was it meso, ecto, and endomorph? Yeah. So that was me. I was skinny, but skinny fat, skinny and and and, and out of shape. So it goes. It really goes both ways. It's obviously because you're fat, you could be not healthy. You could be skinny. You can have a lot of negative environment that you put your body into as well. So. It goes both ways. You just you have to be in, you have to be in a position where your cardio's up, your health is up, and and you're fired up exactly what you do. Because if if you're out there, you're you're not feeling good, you're not thinking good, you're not acting good, you're not making good decisions. It it, it comes into one one whole snowball effect. You've got to want to change, man. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. People don't want to change. Yeah, and you you've been you've been in an issue that you're in right now, and being around. A shit ton of people your your entire life, whether it's military or now that you're in your personal business. What's maybe the top two things, and why the fuck people don't want to change for the better for themselves? Um, why don't people want to change for the better? There's, I mean, there's. If, if I would say the top two, uh, number one, there's not a deep desire to change. There's, I mean, they're they're okay being okay because there's a overwhelming amount of work to start changing, and they don't know if the payoff is worth it. Or they start for a week or two, and they realize the legs get sore, the back is sore, yeah. the diet this, and they just give up. Same yeah. thing with finances. You start budging, 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 you don't like it. Oh, you start saving, 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 you don't like it, stop it. There's just not an overwhelming desire to change. So unless you have a deep desire to change, unless you have a high level of what I call pissed off activity, you're sick and tired of life pushing up against the ropes, you're sick and tired of you with your back, back against and having no options. Until that happens, until you feel great pain, only then will you change. So people are comfortable sitting in their shit. Of course, of course. And by the way, it's a lot easier as a theme of the show. It's a lot easier to lay the blame, to hide the shame because you don't really want to win the money game. Simple as that. The second thing is you're not around people to push you in the associations. One of the things I love whenever every guy, every time we go to work out, at that one hour, I don't have to think. Yeah. You know, like yesterday, yeah. like you had me doing these hack squats and you, you'd seen my knees and my joints for, for, for a minute now. And like, I'm like, bro, are you, are you serious? My weakest exercise is the, the, either the pendulum squat or the half squat, and you start to put plates. I've started feeling good, put another plate, and every time you put a plate, I'm like, thank you for believing in me. Yeah. 
But you're looking at me from the outside in, and I'm pushing through it. I'm like, okay, this feels good. This feels good. We went to what the four plates yesterday and the half squat, eight total. Yeah, and I thought we did. I thought we did six reps, eight reps. But we watched the video. We did. We did ten we did reps. 10. We stopped counting. But that's that's where you need to be around other people that see more in you yeah. than you see in yourself. Simple as that. Um, I want to go over this topic too because it's, it goes along with money. It's it's tithings and givings. And I, I stumbled across this video, and it annoyed me again, and I want to revisit this because this is the reason why a lot of people don't want to give, and a lot of people don't want to go to church yeah. to be put in that environment to want to change. So let's take a look at this pastor begging for cash. can give more than what you've been giving. And so if we had 500 people give $10,000, if we have 500 people give $10,000, we can raise a million in one day. Lord, I also break a stingy spirit because I sense that there are some heavy hitters watching me tonight. There are some people that can give 200,000, 300,000. They can give 50,000, 20,000. They had it saved up. But God, that's a stingy spirit on there's a spirit of fear. So I break that spirit of stinginess. Some of you are just okay, giving I'll, I'll maybe stop right a little I'll stop right there. Okay, by the way, we were just, we were just talking about being physically in shape. Yeah. The way you do one thing is the way you do all things, man. I mean, this guy, is, there's a spirit of gluttony yeah. in this guy. I mean, you know, I get there's big bone people, man, but, you know, big bone, sometimes people that work out are big. They're, they, they, look, they look big, not fat. Yeah. Yeah. This guy looks fat. Yeah. So, you know, from an obvious standpoint, number one, number two, I just don't like the way he's coming across. And by the way, this guy here, uh, he looked familiar because I remember his video from 10 years ago. Can we look at the other video here? Can we cue it to 330? Uh, can we cue it here? Um, what he was, he was, he was being deposed about how he spends his money. Let's take a look at this clip. Like, Same guy. Well, your opinion is a lie, you know? So you probably need to go ask Michelle about what that purchase was instead of having another opinion. He's being deposed in court, right, not in court, in the deposition. Which I was never investigated before by the RS and the one, but it sparked an investigation because it went so widespread. So they had to come and investigate what was going on. They came and investigated my books. There's no lying in my books. Uh, I never lied on my taxes like they try to make me seem. I never spent all that money on my clothes like they're they're trying to make it seem. We did spend any of your salary on clothing? Um, some. JMMI paid over $6,000 to Louis Vuitton. God. Yeah, I'm always buying suits. Uh, always. Well, not always, but always whenever we need, when we need them, so. And you spent $3,500 by JMMI to Versace in the Bahamas. And you went to the Gucci store in Troy and purchased something? I, I'm a very frugal person when it comes to this. You don't that see, bill, I don't see Macy's. No, you don't see that, you know, because Macy's don't have the kind of suits that I wear. Sure they do. GMMI spent over $30,000 in your clothes. Does that mm -hmm. sound about right? Uh, what, what year was that? 13 and 14. Oh, God, yes, because I was traveling so much and, and sweating through all my clothes. Exactly. Boy. It probably wasn't enough. The way they, okay, uh, stop right there. they cut it. The man, he spent $30,000 on a diet plan, bro. Oh, man. You know, so, okay, so I, I want to talk about giving real quick. I, I, I want to talk about this as, 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 a, as a punctuation to, to the show. Uh, number one, when it comes to your finances, God commands you not only to save and invest money. I wouldn't even get to that in this, this show. But, yes, God commands you to be a good steward over your finances. And if you want to get knee-deep in some of the scriptures, just jump into Proverbs in terms of how God wants you to manage your finances. Jump into Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, how God wants you to manage your finances in 
multiply and, and make it grow. But in this uh, segment, I just want to talk about uh, tithing and giving. I want your thoughts on it too as well, because I know your involvement in the church. Yeah. Uh, uh, number one, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, it says here, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I'll just stay, I'll just stay right there. So, you know, when we got money, you've, you've had money, we've not had money. Yeah, both. It, but it's exciting. If you had a choice between one and the two, what would you rather be? Have money or no, not have money? Have money. I'd rather have money too as well. Yeah. So if you have money, be pleasant with your finances. Uh, oftentimes, uh, people are, are asking me for money. And, you know, instead of giving them money, you know what I do? I said, bro, I can't give you cash, but are you hungry? Yeah. I'll feed them. Yep. Right? I'll, I'll clothe them. Because I don't know sometimes what to do with their money. Now, to this pastor, if you go to a church and they're asking for money, and, and sometimes I, I feel that way too as well when, when, when pastors uh, ask for cash. But here, here, here's my responsibility, brother. My responsibility is to give. And it's up to that pastor's stewardship responsibility. If you call that a home church, yeah. it's up to that pastor's stewardship responsibility and how to be the steward over those finances over that church. And I pray that that pastor is led by God and how to spend those finances and the resources. Now, if he's out there and he has a book and he has a business, he has different things, um, and, and he is buying Gucci, he is buying Louis, great, yeah. knock yourself out. But people just have a hard time about it when it comes, just comes through ministry. The second thing, I've read a lot of scripture. I've never heard God say testament until I read the scripture. It says Malachi 3, 10 verse, uh, chapter 3, 10 verse 2. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be, so there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And see if oh, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. That's interest on your money, right? Mm. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful land. Why? Because God says, test me in your giving. And sometimes when we don't want to give, we're stingy. you got to pay, yeah. pay this bill. I want to do this. I want to do that. When, when we don't give, we don't save, we want to invest, you know what that's saying is I don't trust God. Like, I believe in the, the check when I get it, but I don't really believe it when I get it. In other words, you're commanded to take, in this situation, a, a tenth, we'll discuss percentage here in a second, a portion to give to the church for charity. If, by the way, if you don't want to give to the church, give to charity. Give to something outside of just a self-serving you. That's the bottom line when it comes to the basis of making sure you, you're giving. And some pastors are like, oh, no, no, don't do that. You've got to give it to the church because I get it because the church needs a, a, an income source. I've recruited a bunch of pastors in my 25 years in being financial services that want to say, I want to start a career in the financial service so I can make my own salary. I can make my own business outside of, my, uh, outside of the church so people don't think that I'm driving a salary from the church. And by the way, I'm just, I'm just curious for those of you watching this. There's some, some ads going around. How much, uh, how much they're paying worship singers to sing in the church, right? 45000 a year, some, some even $100,000 a year to lead worship, yeah. right? Do you think pastors should be paid by the church? Do you think pastors should be paid well by the church? I'm just curious. Put in the comment section below. We might read some of these in the, uh, the, next, uh, the next podcast. Last thing here in terms of tithing, I'll just uh, wrap up with this. Mm -hmm. How much? How much should you give? 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 9 Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, a lot of times people say, we've got to give 
10%, 20%, 30%. Well, some scripture just says give everything you got. 100% of what you got. But the bottom line is this. Give cheerfully. Give joyfully. A tithe is 10%. But Christians under New Testament law are not bound to Old Testament law. So give as much as you like, even far and beyond the tithe. Give sacrificially. Give 20%. Give 50%. Whatever it is, give cheerfully. Give joyfully. And give without having to need any recommendation or validation or a pat on the back. You don't have to put it on social media. You give because you give. That's between you and God. That being between you and getting some clout just because you're giving. You know, by the way, Ryan Garcia was here in Dallas, mm-hmm. the boxer. Yeah. He uh, bought a bunch of kids' uh, shoes at Foot Locker. I saw that. And they put uh, it on social media. Yeah. By the way, great job to Ryan Garcia. Great job. Okay. But you know how many times we find Shaq? Here in Dallas, just hanging out at Walmart, yeah, just buying stuff for kids. And he doesn't have a camera crew. Doesn't have a camera crew. Random people record him instead. That's right. Random people are recording it. Um, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that recognition. You know, one of the things I love to do is I like to surprise people at a conferences. Uh, for example, we, we did in Las Vegas. People are waiting in line for food. You know, what I love to do. You you help me do this. Oh yeah, we were trucking through people. Yeah. You were pushing people outside so you can pay for them. That's right. Yeah. We were pushing people aside because people were waiting to buy with food. I'm just paying for everybody's food. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. I love doing that. I love seeing the surprise in people's face. The joy I have when giving. No, I'm taking care of God's people. Do I need it on camera? Do I need anybody to reshare that? And no, I don't. I just know that I'm doing it for God's people. I'm not doing it for my own personal recognition. I'm not doing it for any validation online and social media. I'm doing it because God commanded me to give cheerfully. So any, any final thoughts, brother, before we, before we wrap up? And if you're, if you're part of a church and you're trying to figure out which church to go to and you start questioning on why, what's the point of even giving to the church, to the actual physical building itself, find a church that aligns with the principles, the morals, the values, and the vision that you have in mind. Because what you're giving is to push forward the vision of what they're trying to do with the community, whether it's outreach, whether it's a missionary work, whatever the case may be. Whatever you're funding the church with, that's what's helping them push that vision forward. So find somewhere that you can actually be aligned with the vision. And if you can't uh, give financials, do some manual labor. Yeah. Be the hands and feet of God. You don't have, always have to consistently be giving fi- finance if you're in a bad spot. And God will bless your labor. God will bless what you do, even if it's just being a servant at the facility itself. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah. also giving is in addition to your resources, yeah. also your time yeah. and your talents. Yeah. So you know, m- many times I've been at the church too as well. I was I, I help out help out the the singles ministry, help out the uh, the kids. You know, you know, serve and, and feed the poor. Um, there's many ways that you can give to the church in addition to your time uh, in terms of your resources. I also say this, but you also be careful in terms of donating so much of your time to the church too as well, because your first ministry, your first ministry is your own house. You got, of course, you got to take care of God's house, yeah. but you got to take care of your own children. You got to take care of your own wife, your own husband. You can't forego a lot of these family activities or your responsibilities at home, your ability to make income for your home because you have to serve. The church, because the church hasn't recruited anybody else to fill out their ministry. Mm. The church will bring the people, man. Just know that the church will be just fine. You just do your part. If everybody at the church just did their part, think about this. Everybody at the church just did their part, just a little bit to, you know, help out with the kids or clean up, you know, jan- janitorial service, etc. Just to be a good steward of the land and, 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 the, and the resources of the church, the church will be so much off better. And think about that too as well. So make sure it's just not money. Yeah. It's time and resources, but not to the sacrifice of your own individual investment into your family. That being said, guys, let me know what you thought. Um, if you watched it to the end of this, we've been giving away some, some books here. If you watched it until the end of this podcast, what's a, what's a code number or what's a, what's a code word we should put? Last week was a, a, a special extra germ strength. 
which, which we have this week if you want to put it. So therefore, we can give you a free book. If you watch this podcast, we'll give you a free book just by putting this word in the comment section. Let's call it... Uh, Let's call it. Uh, wait, let's go. Let's, let's, let's talk about. Uh, uh, say ten percent. Ten percent. Ten percent. Put ten percent. Put ten percent here at the end of the comment section. If you watch it to the end of this podcast, and we'll pick a random person to get our book here from the show. Gotcha, best-selling book. I'm doing a book tour around across the country, from our podcast to your office or home. That being said, guys, appreciate you watching. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Like. And make sure you drop your thoughts below. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Let us know. We'll bring it in the next podcast going forward. That being said, on behalf of my co-host, Milton Alvarez, I'm your Money Smart Guy. And until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. See you guys. Bye-bye.